viewers, uh, Divya has worked in the advertising industry and helped build brands by understanding consumers for the last 18 years. She's worked with the best multinational companies, JWT and Lolintas, uh, whether it's Unilever or Diageo or any other. So it's a real privilege. We'd be listening to Divya's views. So Divya, first of all, I'd uh, you know start with uh, a category which I feel is very challenging category to advertise in our country. Could you share any of your insights while you were working on um, Antiquity, Black Dog, Signature, all these brands? How or did you witness any um, trends, insights that surprised you and led to any innovative marketing tactics? Okay, so uh, like you said, just Ravi, it is a very, very challenging category challenging because it's also one of the most uh, regulated markets and the actually the regulations also change state to state um, the brands that i worked on were very vast i have worked on both beer as well as whiskey yeah. and uh, it was very interesting because you know one uh, on one level yes you know it is kind of prohibited and you have to be very careful yeah. uh, the other thing was also you know what i found was with usl diageo which was the main client yeah. as well as the ub group um, I found that you know uh, the company them companies themselves were a little ahead norms of what we can and can say and can't say and where we can advertise and what we can do were actually more strict than what the government would have prescribed. So uh, that was quite inspiring to see that you know that that kind of uh, um, uh, you know internal uh, uh, restrictions were there in place. So for example, the USL Diageo had their own internal code of conduct. And every year they did a workshop for all the marketing teams and the agency teams to refresh that code of conduct, to make sure that everybody knows what they're supposed to do and what they're not supposed to do. Could you take um, an example so, uh, on, you know, what kind of uh, code of conduct, because, you know, liquor category and being so responsible is, is, yeah. is very interesting and very useful for us to know. Yeah. yeah. So for example, uh, they actually had a, a ban on things like, uh, you know, one, you know, in FMCG, buy one, get one is a very common kind of a promotional tactic. That's something that the, these, uh, the liquor brands I worked on refused to do, you know, because that would encourage in irresponsible drinking. So they didn't want to be in a position where they could be, you know, uh, held responsible for leading consumers astray. If consumers want to drink, we can't really control how much they're going to drink, but we are not going to be encouraging them to, uh, to kind of overdo it. You know, so that that was something which was very uh, uh, inspiring. And then you know, it helps you work on the brand also because you know that, you know, everybody has the same kind of code and ethics yeah. and integrity and you want to you to do the best for your consumers. You don't want to do bad for your consumers. You know? yeah. Yeah. So uh, that was one very interesting thing. The, in terms of the challenges for marketing, like, you know, um, because it's not so much about the product and you can't really talk about the product, it became more about the occasion. Each brand and each product actually had this kind of space of, you know, this is my consumption occasion. Mm. This is the mood that I want to be a part of. So either it would be, you know, matching the mood of the consumer at that occasion or maybe even creating the mood for the consumer, you know. So whether it is yeah. uh, celebration, which is a great space for beer, yeah. or whether it is, you know, like even in whiskey, I worked on two which had actually very different positioning. So signature was yeah. all about, you know, celebrating achievements and, uh, um, you know, uh, accomplishments and for people who are like kind of on the move to celebrate the fact that they're moving up in life. Yeah. Whereas uh, something like Black Dog, actually for people who are 
also were achievers and had also got certain accomplishments but it was for those moments of contemplation where mm-hmm. it's much it's a much more intimate setting and it's more introspective and you know so you're you're trying to create a mood for the product to be consumed in and uh, right. uh, that that was a very interesting thing so you move away from the product and you're creating kind of an atmosphere and ambiance for it you know in, in this covid year i know you're not associated right now with the brands but uh, you know you 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 have a deep understanding of the category if you had to think about and share with us how these brands are adapting uh, to the change circumstances because everybody in the crazy covid year is either making safer choices or um, you know down trading so how do you think and and also the fact that online uh, events are happening actual events are not happening which is typically used mm-hmm. to generate trials as well as you know reach the consumer so um you know the thing is like you can't do uh, events so at home consumption but typically none of these brands have encouraged at home consumption you know mm-hmm. if you see all the alcohol brands including competitors they always show it in an out of home con- uh, context nobody really shows it being consumed at home mm-hmm. so uh, that is something that you know they have to uh think about you know because the mood that they've created and all is all outside of the home actually actually and this is very interesting that um out of home consumption moods have been uh, associated with these brands so far and everything you know whether it is exercising or celebrations everything home has become the destination so it'll be very interesting to see how right. these for now the brands adapt right like you were saying that uh, these brands have been uh, uh, very cutting edge and you know taking on uh, the latest uh, tools in the marketing uh, toolbox and i've also seen that you have a fascination for everything neuro uh, divya you you've studied neuroscience neuroeconomics and neuromarketing and and i'm sure you've used it also i want you to share you know for our viewers how how do you put it in perspective that neuromarketing uh, do you think it is an added asset uh, in the toolbox does it uh, provide any extra precision so uh, first of all i have to give credit to all the alco beverage brands that i worked on for my interest in neuro because they did test a lot of things through uh, neuroscience and one of the reasons is that you know like i said you don't talk so much about the product in this category yeah. so what you're selling is basically imagery emotions moods and those things are very hard to measure in a rational way in market research we always look at system 1 and system 2 right mm-hmm. so system 2 is what consumers will say what they will do and you know what things that you can measure and try and be rational about but yeah. we all know uh you know even somebody with two years experience would know not necessarily as much experience as you have but even somebody with two years experience will tell you that just because they say something doesn't mean that that is true right yeah. so you know system 1 is very important the unconscious responses the unconscious attractions that we have the desires we have those things are things which you know even if we were to look at ourselves as consumers we are not able to explain adequately yeah. so i think neuroscience comes in with all those implicit testing so while we have projective techniques and we have a lot of other tools which help us kind of get to the the deeper things which you know consumers themselves are not aware of yeah. i think neuroscience is very exciting because it's evolving with brain science you know so mm-hmm. uh, you know those methods are now becoming more easily available so with eeg and eye tracking and all of that mm-hmm. you can actually measure and see which areas of the brain are getting uh, stimulated yeah. and the evolving brain science is telling you what those areas of brain are associated with 
but it's a good addition because it kind of helps explain the things which we don't really know as yet mm-hmm. and for categories which are not very rational themselves so yeah. you know nor are we marketing it very on a very rational level yeah. nor are consumers consuming it on a very rational level and therefore the, you know you need to measure that level you can't be just measuring the you know um uh the norm so it's not like I, i you know that 10 benefits of the product i've explained it on the in the ad and then the consumer has to play yeah. it back to me you know here the the benefits are very uh, subjective very emotional and very uh, difficult to pinpoint yeah so it, it, it has there been a moment where you felt that oh this is something that only neuromarketing could have told okay so my experience with neuromarketing is limited because i've not done the neuro marketing myself it's very technical so obviously i i'm not in a place to do it but i have sat through a lot of reports and explanations with the uh, neuroscience team at nielsen so what they do is they have a they actually have a doctor who studies brain science who is a part of every presentation so he can help answer questions and help clarify things so i really like their approach mm-hmm. i uh, one for one value that kind of collaboration and partnership right um the you know some of the things like when you're watching an ad so like uh, i'll talk about ad testing since both of us are uh, familiar and that is where more of my experience is so right. you know when we, we when we are uh, testing an ad and remember an ad in a liquor space is about a mood and a emotion and a moment and it's not really about the product at all there's very little rational information in it yes. so uh, you know what neuro uh, so um, nielsen neuro actually uses a combination of eye tracking and eeg to measure the uh, response to the ad and what they do is they they'll of course take a very large sample and then average it out and then kind of that's how you get how you can interpret the data mm-hmm. and what they do is very interesting is they have a moment by moment analysis so they'll play back the ad mm-hmm. and as they're playing back the ad they'll have some critical measures like engagement or attention or things like that mm-hmm. and it'll go up as a graph so you can see actually see in the ad mm-hmm. which are the moments that are getting that way attention is spiking and which are the moments where attention is kind of faltering mm-hmm. and uh, while obviously you can't know you you know as a storyteller also you would know you can't have an ad that is high attention all the time because then there is no surprise there is no there's going to be very little persuasion but yeah. the interesting thing is that when you know that the attention is spiking you can actually make sure that your branding is is prominent at that at that mm-hmm. place Mm. you know so i know that this is the high point and this is where the consumer's attention is maximum mm. so at this point i make sure that my branding is also prominent and i know through eye tracking that mm. you know which are the parts that they are looking at and that is where my brand needs to be placed or you know so uh, it kind of helps us uh, uh, monitor and understand i found that very exciting was this kind of precision you can't get through you know normal qualitative and quantitative testing uh, right. i have I, you, you've been writing a lot divya and i've read some of your articles and uh, uh we've had discussions about uh, byron sharp and his book as well what is that one thing that um, you felt most useful in terms of um, uh, his perspectives so actually i'm a big fan of byron sharp and uh, the reason for that is actually because you know everything he says and does is all based on empirical in market data yeah so first of all he has not done market research separately he has tested mm-hmm. market data Yeah. and all these big companies like unilever and diageo and all of that actually share data with with his university yeah. so it is all based on data and if it's based on data in fact you can't really throw it away and say this is not working so mm-hmm. you know he is not saying anything which he has not tested out and uh, shown mm-hmm. um you know it's it's a very simple thing like you know if you travel like i have a friend a uh, few friends we travel uh, every few years together Mm-hmm. and one of the things is we all we are all fond of food and you know it's very important that we get we we eat at the right place you want to try all the local food yeah. and you know my friend always says that you know the 
the best way to choose a restaurant is to see uh, that you know they, that it's occupied that there are a lot of people there if there there are very few people in the restaurant then let's not go there because it's probably not good but a restaurant where there are a lot of people will be very good and that's exactly what byron sharp says you know he says mm-hmm. that popular brands tend to become more popular yeah. and the reason is because a popular brand is always the safe choice right yeah. uh, it's like bata right yeah. uh, i remember the first time i went abroad and i saw bata shop and i was shocked i was shocked that bata i thought bata was an indian brand and it's not mm-hmm. you know so um, you know the thing is it's familiarity popular brands yeah. uh, build familiar uh, familiarity and they also build trust and credibility if yeah. so many people are using it and they seem happy with it then it can't be a bad choice it's a safe choice definitely definitely and uh, this this whole debate about uh, distinctiveness and uh, differentiation that uh, you know distinctiveness yes. matters differentiation doesn't and um, um, i know you have a strong point of view on this would you like to share that yeah so i think uh, uh, see it's it's important to be uh, like for example pepsi and coke right mm-hmm. uh, you know we know that in blind taste tests and i found the same thing with whiskey that when you go to the actual consumers they don't really know the difference between their preferred brand mm-hmm. and the brand they say they don't like yeah. in a blind taste test yeah no yes yes there are experts and there are connoisseurs and they would be able to know the difference but most consumers don't know the difference this is sweeter and that is not sweet and this is bitter and you have all those things which you talk about but yeah. the fact of the matter is that it's not a perceivable difference if i don't know actually what brand i'm thinking so the reason the consumer is choosing the brand is not the actual differentiation mm. what the consumer is choosing is a distinctiveness because when i drink a coke i feel a certain way and i feel i'm part of a certain community versus when i see or when i drink a signature whiskey or a black dog whiskey i feel like i'm you know it it's it's kind of reinforcing if i have about myself yeah so distinctiveness is important because distinctiveness you can't copy differentiation can change very quickly right we know especially in this era of technology yeah. uh, you know your competitors can catch up with you very quickly i remember you know there was a time when we were growing up Mm-hmm. where there was a clear difference between an indian brand and a foreign brand you know there would be a price difference of course but yeah. more than the price difference you know you would know in the product quality and today some of the indian brands have overtaken the foreign brands in quality because yeah. you know that technology is available to them mm-hmm. and the price difference is not that much you know so uh, you know you you can see that today differentiation mm-hmm. uh, differentiation can build distinctiveness Yeah. but distinctiveness is going to be what will you know it's like uh, what martin lindstrom calls the smashables right mm-hmm. it's like he says if you can if you can break a bottle he he thinks the bottle of coke is very iconic the glass bottle that they have in the us mm-hmm. he's saying if you smash it uh, with every piece you can still tell that it's still a coke mm-hmm. you know and that is what distinctiveness is so you need you need those kind of brand assets so that consumers can associate with you and say okay this is my brand mm-hmm. and it also becomes a choice you know a reason to choose the brand Mm-hmm. so it's something something that the consumer can perceive you might have built into the product but if it doesn't reach the consumer it doesn't build as a consistent association in the yeah. consumer's mind then yeah. then it's not there right now we move to another chapter of dilya's career uh uh it's a unilever brand rin and uh you know it's a long association and we want to benefit uh, from your understanding divya of how the middle class uh, has evolved so um, what what we find very interesting you know in case of rin um, not just in the way they are advertising even in the variants that they have come up with like the smart home technology 
or the antibacterial variant or talking to young adults you know it's very different from how the middle class home care brands would be you know communicating and who they would be targeting so actually rin is a brand which is very very close to my heart because i loved working on it i had the best teams best clients you know the best bosses on this brand so I, it was a amazing journey yeah. and um, i think also the consumers you know i think this this brand team was a very good example of putting the consumer first and center all the time you know so yeah. all of the things that you talked about which make the brand distinctive are actually decisions that were made very consciously because they were keeping the consumer in mind all the time yeah. so uh, rin as a brand actually uh, is very very anchored towards serving the lower middle class consumers mm. and one of the the values that the brand shares with the consumer is ambition mm. uh, you know the lower middle class over time you know so in india it's currently on an upward trajectory mm. and uh, what we found that like, you know when i when i first i worked on the brand uh, the consumers i was meeting were a, a lot poorer than the consumers i had met so far mm. and i was a little apprehensive you know i was because you know uh, coming from the kind of privileged backgrounds we have yeah. you know you you kind of cringe a little bit when you have to see somebody who is not having the best life and yeah so the consumers just blew me away and i found them so inspiring because you know they did not look at the life circumstances the way i was looking at their life circumstances mm. you know they mm. uh, you know so uh, first of all they they sensed the mood of the country and they were seeing opportunity everywhere they were seeing the economy opening up they mm. were seeing opportunities not just in education but opportunities outside of education uh, appearing for them and for their children and mm-hmm. uh, one of the big things is that you know all the reality shows that were kind of taking off at that time so indian yeah. idol kon banega karodpati yeah. um you know i don't know if they intended it that way but that's certainly the way these programs have evolved that a lot of the contestants who come tend to come from uh, kind of underprivileged backgrounds people who've not had the best of opportunities and yet they have this amazing talent mm-hmm. you know so all of this this was firing the imagination of the lower middle class so it's not that you know my child has one convey banega karodpati but the fact that my child could you know mm-hmm. somebody like my child is winning all this money somebody like my child is winning all this opportunity mm-hmm. somebody like my child has you know got this amazing career in singing or dancing or acting mm-hmm. or in sports you know you see all the uh, all the stories of the sports the athletes of india who have you know come up whether it's in shooting or wrestling you know mm-hmm. so all of this had fired the imagination of the low middle class and i found them very very uh, aspirational so they weren't looking at the current reality the current reality was one better than where their parents were because things have improved in india lifestyle yeah. has has gone uh, has become a little better but also they were also seeing where they can go the family's ambitions tend to be centered on that young person mm. you know so the mother may be buying the laundry detergent and washing the laundry and all of that but mm. all her ambitions are centered on the son or the daughter who's going to wear that shirt and achieve big things for the family mm. so uh, you know that was one of the reasons of showing that because if you wanted to uh, you know showcase and celebrate their uh, ambition mm. you needed to show it on the person whom it was most appropriate mm. and uh, yes i can yeah. changes everything you know like just the just the uh, yes. being able to see a possibility and having an ambition changes everything right and uh, until yeah. unless we m- mention lower social economic class you know this could be said for actually any person in the world yeah it can be said about anybody in the in the world 
but the beauty of it is that this group really has the drive and the hunger you know uh, it's it's not the same for somebody uh, you know somebody like me i also have an ambition i also want to achieve it but i don't have that underlying desperation and urgency that they have yeah. and that really makes them you know it kind of drives them to a level which probably i don't know if if i can even go and and uh, yeah i'm completely with you and thank you for you know contextualizing and uh, nuancing this uh, so beautifully yeah yes. yes and also one more point about the younger younger people in this segment mm-hmm. you know they have grown up in a world which is different from the world their parents the parents were little afraid you know yeah. they kind of grew up in this very you know this very class based system very conscious of their limitations very conscious of you know their boundaries yeah whereas this generation has grown up in a much more democratic far less apologetic than their parents they are actually much more assertive and they feel entitled to the rewards of their labor you know so uh, you know they, they are not that bade baap ki bigri aulad kind of a thing that you know they are they that you know things will be handled to them on a platter and they don't expect that but they certainly expect that you know whatever work i do it is going to show some some reward at the end of it so you know while luck is important always in india they don't rely so much on luck as much as they rely on themselves and that's yes. actually quite inspiring to see yes yes that that changes the whole uh, you know game of life actually so yeah, you wanted to know about the variance as well yeah the yeah. rin variance mm-hmm. yeah so like i said this theme has been very very customer focused mm-hmm. you know so like you know for example water saving makes a lot of sense uh, for rin Mm. because uh, water uh, water problems are an issue water supply is an issue in a lot of the country you know so a yeah. lot of consumers uh, you know they one the water supply is inadequate or it's hard water it's not soft it has a certain uh, problem with it the mm. other thing is also that laundries are very water intensive activity so you know out of all the things that they do in the house probably takes the largest amount of water mm. and so giving them a water saving variant was actually a very good uh, good solution to a problem that they were facing you know so having a water saving detergent actually makes a lot of sense for them because they can't afford to pay premium after premium for tankers of water to be delivered to them just to do the laundry yeah yeah you know similarly uh, a washing machine variant you know because washing as the penetration of washing machines go up mm. and like i said this is an aspiring class so they are not limited you know there was a time uh when you know i remember when i was growing up my mother would say we are upper middle class and this is what we this is the brand we'll buy you know so yeah. you know that is how those tiered things but mm-hmm. today uh, consumers are not limited by the price back bracket you know mm-hmm. we go up and down very easily you know so very uh, very uh, rich person might still buy a a, a discount uh, detergent or yeah. a discount toothpaste you know they, they they might drive a rolls royce but they they might use uh, you know a, a, the cheapest soap that they can find yeah. uh, it doesn't matter and similarly even you know upward mobility is also possible there are emis there is easy consumer finance so if you want something yeah. uh, now in today's india you don't really uh, you don't really slot yourself that way yeah. you manage your budget by you know kind of going up on some things and going down on some things but you certainly there, there's nothing that you are you, you cannot access so um uh, and especially in detergents and fmcg products it's a one time put down price you know if for one month the consumer wants to uh, buy, stretch and buy an aerial or a surfix cell they'll do that you know you can't really uh, dictate to them so if you know that similarly they can get consumer finance and they can buy washing machines and we did see that in this consumer segment people were buying washing machines yeah. if you're buying washing machines you need to upgrade to a detergent that will work with the machine the same machine same detergent will not work Mm-hmm. Uh, with hand washing as it works with a washing machine so mm-hmm. other else the washing machine could get really spoiled mm-hmm. so it it just made sense you know as the segment as the car customer segment is buying 
uh, washing machines and we need to give them a washing machine uh, variant thank you divya thank you so much for coming to jack with just ravi yes thank you so much just ravi this was really fun